This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Luke McFadden, the captain of the Southern Girl, a crab boat out of Pasadena, Maryland, and... Um, as uh, sort of a joining to this episode, we've got a bunch of video and images of a day we spent out on the water with Luke taking a look at this. And this might be a different angle for a preservation podcast, but the idea here is that crabbing is almost synonymous with Maryland, but the future of crabbing and the heritage associated with it is anything but certain. And it's an opportunity for us to sit down with somebody who's living this and seeing what it's like and trying to sustain this, not only as it's as a business, but really the heritage and history of it all and all it's wrapped up in. And Luke's got an interesting story um, and has developed his own following online of people who just love seeing this. Um, so Luke, before we get too far along the way here, tell people about, you know, like, where'd you grow up? And I think people would be surprised to learn that you're, this is first generation. You didn't, you didn't go out with, um, you know, your dad doing this. So how did it all come together? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up here, uh, in Pasadena, Maryland, and I've always just wanted to be outside and, uh, you know, I love fishing and whatever, but I mean, I don't, you know, I don't even come from a blue collar family. You know, I'm, I'm a first generation fisherman. Uh, I mean, in, in my fifth grade yearbook, you know, where it says, you know, what everybody wants to be when they grow up. Mine says crabber. And I mean, at that point, I had never been crabbing in my life. I just thought it was so cool. Like my my grandparents had, uh, you know, some of these kind of coffee table books. They had all these old black and white pictures of uh, Naples in them and everything. And I, I remember looking through them and being like, man, I don't know what they're doing, but that looks awesome. That's what I want to do. Like they're building stuff. They're on the water every day. They're catching fish and crabs. And I'm like, man, the boats are cool. I was just like, man, I don't know what they're doing, but I've been pretty hell bent on being a crabber before I even ever went crabbing. Um, do you remember the first time you went out crabbing? Yeah, I do actually. Um, my parents had a friend named CJ Canby, who is still, I mean, he's like family to me now, but, uh, he was friends with them and, you know, he was a crabber, he was a commercial crabber. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, uh, you know, he let me go out. I think I was 12 years old. That was the first time I'd ever been like on a, a real commercial crab and boat. I was 12. And uh, I mean, I was probably costing more money than helping, but he just kind of let me come along. And, you know, I'd deal with, I know now that he just had me doing all this like <laughs> grunt work basically for free. Like I was cutting fish and moving bait and pushing pots and, you know, whatever. But I was just, I used to get so excited I couldn't sleep the night before to go crabbing, you know, which now I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I just I've really been into it. Um, and when did it when did it switch to, you know, OK, I'm going out and learning from this guy, which you told us that the term is your crab dad. But like, yeah, you, yeah. You, so so when does it switch from that, like at age 12 to like okay, I'm getting actually paid and I'm doing the different aspects of crabbing out on a crab boat and the different jobs to now I'm going to buy a boat. Like, what is the sequence there? Well, I mean, you know, I was always into it. I was 11. You know, I bought my first boat, a little rowboat. So I'd been 
out. And then I got the opportunity to go crabbing with him. And, uh, you know, I'd worked with him and my, you know, my mother always told me, she was like, you know, they don't know anything about crabbing. They've never been crabbing before. They don't even own fishing rods. You know, my, my, my parents, my biological father's into the outdoors and fishing, but like, you know, the family I grew up with, they're not, um, you know, she always was like, if you're going to do this, you know, you really ought to be the guy that drives the boat. Like, you know, she, she was like, you, you cause she saw a lot of the guys that were working crew and whatever. And, you know, I was, I didn't have any idea, but I know now it's sort of a tends to lean towards a kind of not a career oriented crowd, if you know what I'm saying. So she was like, and she just knew how enthusiastic I was about doing this for like my rest of my life. And she was like, you're going to have to be the guy that owns the boat. <laughs> like You're going to have to be the captain. It's like, there's probably not a job here unless, you know, you're the guy driving the boat and calling the shots and she ain't wrong. So, um, I, I, you know, I always wanted to just learn about it and, and do more. And, you know, I never really got an opportunity with the captain I was working for to run the boat or do anything like that. You know, I was that the opportunity was mostly just to show up and work crew every day for him. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of decided I was going to go crabbing when I turned 18. So that's what I did. So you graduate high school get out, buy yourself a crab boat. Um, this is a, give people a sense for the boat. This is a boat built when, what's the scale of it if people are familiar with boats? Yeah, so I, yeah, I graduated high school. Uh, I turned, I, I, you know, I moved out two months after I turned 18. My, my parents had moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, actually. I grew up here. Then the end of my junior year of high school, my parents had moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I wasn't old enough to, you know, I was 17 at the time. So I kept telling him, I was like, if you move, I'm moving back. And I turned 18, two months after I turned 18, I, I, I moved out, moved here, started living on my own, bought a crab boat. Uh, I bought, I bought just the hull of a boat. Uh, it didn't have like a floor, didn't have anything in it. Uh, it was just a motor and a, and a hull. And I worked at a granite shop making granite countertops in the wintertime. And then every night I go work on this boat and I kind of built this boat over the winter uh, when I was 18. And then springtime came and I launched it and had a couple of hundred crab pots that um, these old junkers that CJ had sold to me basically on the arm. And, uh, you know, I went crabbing. It was a it was a 32 foot by 10 foot boat. So 32 foot long, 10 foot wide. I think it was built in 1982, if I remember correctly. It was named The Widow, uh, and we called it The Widow Maker because that thing was nothing <laughs> short of dangerous. I mean, it was a liability to be on. It was – I didn't know anything. You know, I was young, and I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> I just didn't know. I think about a lot of situations now. I'm like, man, if I would have known better, I wouldn't have done that, you know. It was just the hull was not in good shape. You know, it was plywood and fiberglass, and it was – towards the end of its life. And, you know, I, that boat sank twice and I resurrected it and got it running again. But uh, I put, I mean, I, I learned a lot. I'll say that I learned a lot. Um, and so then you bought the boat that you're on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used that for a few years. Uh, and then I got in a real bad storm in that boat and did some structural damage to it. Um, and so I was like, you know what? It's time. I got to get a new boat. So 
I uh, basically did some big barring and stealing and got myself into a little nicer boat. You know, it was a fiberglass boat with a diesel motor. Uh, the Southern Girl, which is the boat I'm still running now, is 34 foot long, and I think it's 11 six or 12 foot wide. Um, it's all fiberglass with a 328 cat diesel in it. Came from Tillman. It was built on Tillman. And is that pretty typical for a crabber to move boats through their careers? Yeah, I mean, most guys, you always start out with, you know, a, most people, you know, you start out with a crappy boat, and you know, you try to work your way up from there. I mean. Most of these guys that got into it, you know, they didn't, nobody handed them anything, you know, they're pretty boots, pretty bootstrap, you know, crowd where they, uh, most of them started from the bottom and just worked their way up. You know, you start with an old crappy boat and you, an old crappy gear and you just kind of, you got to save up and buy a new boat and buy more gear and better gear. And, you know, that's kind of what weeds out the people that are going to stay in it and the people that aren't, you know. So for people listening, I mean, most people are familiar, at least with some crab. People listen all across the country, all across the world. So people, you know, there's different types of crabs all across the world and people eat crab all across the world. But blue crab is what's specific here to Maryland. And that's what you're trying to catch. You want to give people a sense for like, what is the blue crab? Um, what's unique about it? And, and how hard is it to catch in terms of crab? Is this the, the most difficult crab to catch or all crabs hard? Is this one particularly tough? I mean, to be honest with you, I've never tried to catch any other kind of crab. So I, I don't know. Uh, I can't speak for, you know, how hard it is to catch stacked up against other kinds of crabs. I know they're pretty finicky. Uh, I mean, <laughs> people, everybody says, you know, that crabs are scavengers and uh, crabs, oh, they just eat dead stuff and whatever. Um, but I mean, you know, you you can you can go crabbing or you can go catch crabs. And there's no living in just crabbing. You know what I mean? You can make a living catching crabs. So the, the kind of the difference is, you know, you gotta you gotta be where they're at, where they want to be, and where they're gonna be. You know, you gotta be kind of a step ahead of them because crabs are migratory, right? So uh, you know, and they have a crazy life cycle where they're. They're shedding their shell. They're chasing after different salinities. Uh, they want different habitat, different bottom. They want different water temperatures. So, I mean, to really catch crabs effectively, which you have to do to make a living at it, you know, you got to know where to be in certain different times of the year, pH, you know, salinity, uh, water temperature. You know, they're not eating the same bait all the time. You know, you're not just using any kind of dead fish or whatever for bait. You know, you're using different kinds of fish and different bottoms and different depths, uh, different times of the year. Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, even the pots, crab pots, you know, there's different styles. Not all crab pots are built equal. You know, I mean, there's different pots that catch better different times of the year, different salinity, different areas. Um, you know, there's the, the devil's in the detail, they say. And, the, you know, you kind of you kind of got to make your money in the in the details in between. And so it's it's like a science and an art. It really in, is. Honestly, in theory, really you is. could in theory there's a science to it, but that doesn't always stack up, right? Right. Like, you you know, and so I'm sure there's some people just who have a real knack for it, and you're always trying to figure it out. And when we went out with you, and this whole spring has been really tough crabbing. Like it's it always. I mean, I, I feel like 
farmers and crabbers are always saying this is the worst year ever. Um, but this one seems pretty bad by comparison. And, and you were even saying, yeah, I haven't been at that at the, this long, but even the guys who've been at it for a really long time are saying like something's not right. And yeah. it's, it's almost like hunters and fishermen and then crabbers are sort of the people who sense when things are really going wrong in the environment first, because they're so much closer to it. So yeah. you're seeing the bay in real time and like, it does it, does it worry you more than normal? Are you just sort of sticking with it? How do how does the the crabbing community kind of look at what's happening in a year like this? Yeah, I mean, it it's definitely been the worst spring I've ever experienced. And you know, I always talk to guys, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, everybody says it all the time. Oh, worst spring ever. But I mean, this year does seem to be a little behind other years, and I, you know, I'm not the only one to say that. It's it's a lot of guys up and down the bay. Um, you know, that are, that are saying the same thing. I mean, kind of thing is um, you, you gotta, you gotta just stick it out for now. You know, I mean, the, the crabs, they'll, they will start moving once they start shedding, you know, we'll get bigger crabs, we'll get market size crabs. Once the water warms up, you know, the, the, right now these, uh, the water's warming up. These crabs are going to go into the creeks and rivers to shed. And once they come out, you know, we'll have a bunch of light crabs. And then once those crabs get hard, which is usually around the end of June, uh, first week of July, that's when we really start to have our good crabs. So if we were get we're, if we were to get to July and we're still really, really lacking on crabs, you know, that that'd be the time to be like, all right, you know, we really got to figure something out here. Um, you know, so, we're, you know, we're pretty patient with it, you know, and there's sort of different kind of milestones that you're trying to reach and you're looking for different things in environment and in crab population and, and whatever else. Once you hit all these kind of little mile markers uh, as the year progresses, but, you know, if things aren't starting to add up, you know, uh, later in the year, you know, that's when you got to start and thinking about, you know, either trying to really change areas and go find them or, you know, or, or I mean, there's been some years where, I mean, guys just, they didn't go crab and they didn't even set crab pots till like September, you know, there has been years like that where there's the, the crabs are just not in the upper bay, you know, the crabs just haven't shed out enough until that late in the year. I think it, when it comes to things like this, like crabbing, which is this, you know, the fancy word for it is like intangible cultural heritage, like the, the heritage of the state that we can't touch, but we know that means something to all of us. And I think a lot of people sort of take it for granted. And, and you know, we grabbed lunch afterwards and we I sort of mentioned like as we were walking through, it's like sort of this route we went to a place and in beautiful place, but it was like this sort of romanticized view of the water and water waterman sort of life and like, oh, all these beautiful blue crabs and stuff. And that all kind of makes money and is all around it. In Annapolis, you go there and you kind of get this sense for that, but there's nobody, there's no waterman coming out of Annapolis anymore. <laughs> yeah. And keeping all of this in business is 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 really tough. Like I think it, you know, without getting into all the numbers, you don't have to share that. But like I think a lot of people think like, oh, and I've even heard it from people like, oh, crabs are so expensive. The waterman must be doing great. But like on a day like when we went out, when you picked up maybe a bushel and a half of crabs, you didn't make money that day. I spent money to go that day. You spent money to go out. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and yeah. And it, it was like that for every day before you went out. And, um, you know, before that, you know, we spent a month and a half, two months in the yard getting all the crab pots ready that I'm spending money on. You know, it, it's like $15,000 just before you even put a crab pot in the water. 
people don't understand that, you know, uh, you're paying people, you're got to buy paint and zincs and all these things that the price just keeps coming up, you know, going up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the day we went, I didn't even selling crabs on my own for what I'm selling them for. I'm not making any money. I mean, it's, it's $980 a day to leave the dock. And that's, right. you know, I don't even have the biggest operation around. It's, you know, it's tough, you know, and people, like you said, you know, people have this romanticized vision of, you know, like the humble fisherman that goes out and makes just enough, catches just enough to feed his family and, you know, this, that, and the other. And, um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's real life and people don't, you know, people think the people that go catch your crabs are these 85 year old men in these old wooden boats and they go pull a couple of pots that are full of crabs and they come back and they get paid what, you know, people pay at the restaurant. That's not it at all. I mean, it's, it's, you know, unfortunately. For as difficult as it is, you obviously have a real sense of optimism. you got a good sense of humor about all of this and you have built you know, you're unique in the, I don't know exactly how old you are, but you're young. Um, people, need, people need to know that. Um, you're sort of of a, like you, you, you mentioned it to us, non-traditional background, just in terms of who you are and, and coming into crabbing. Um, and then you also have developed this sort of like viral TikTok following. So like, which is great because all of these issues need a voice, right? And keeping things like this. And that's why I think even if someone listening is, you know, listen to us from Kansas and they don't have crabbers and they don't have something like this, they have something that probably is just as difficult, but is an important part of their heritage in kind of keeping it alive. And it requires a voice, right? Because otherwise it's just kind of like, you know, you can either imagine what crabbers are or they're just something that when you drive over the Bay Bridge, maybe you see a couple of them. Um, and so you somehow stumbled on something that like really speaks and resonates with people. You get hundreds of thousands of views when you go live, just people watching you pulling pots, pot after pot after pot. Where where did the idea come from? And when did you realize like, whoa, like people are into this? Uh, I mean, I sort of stumbled into it, which is, you know, how a lot of people on a lot of creators, I guess, TikTok, whatever, you know, kind of get into it. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly when it kind of clicked that I was like, oh, this could be something. I mean, I had a few videos, um, you know, of crab that had gotten some views and whatever. And then the live streaming is really what did it. That's what that's what made me realize, wow, people are really interested in this. Um, I don't remember even what made me really do the live stream part of it. I remember at one time, part of the reason I went live streaming was uh, the stereotype is fishermen are always liars, you know what I mean? And whatever else. And so people were giving me a hard time like, oh, yeah, you, you didn't catch that or, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll live. You can watch. I was like, I'll live stream. It. If you don't believe me, like you can get on there and watch it yourself. You know what I mean? So I kind of started doing that, just sort of messing around. And then uh, people really started to get into it. I mean, if people blew up. I mean, I do it every day now, you know, um, and it's kind of transformed into this thing where it's, you know, I, I hope it can give you know, the fishery a voice, you know? Um, well, it's, it's interesting because it, I mean, yeah, a lot of people watch it, but it's also this really youthful voice that I don't think people associate with, um, crabbing. And then, and also I think it's, it's unique in that, you show the reality of it. It's funny. Mm -hmm. You're trying to fix everything. Everything kind of keeps breaking, but you're trying to fix it as cheap as you possibly can. 
Um, and it's I think real that life. Gives, yeah, it's it's real life, and there's nothing fake about this about any of this. Um, and obviously, it's it's gotten people excited. Where where do you go with that? Is it is it? You, I mean, obviously, being a creator in TikTok doesn't really pay that well. Doesn't pay the doesn't pay the bills. Right. Um, but if people want to tune in, they want to find you. We'll put a link in the show notes so they can just click and they can follow you. I know you're on like Instagram and Facebook and um, TikTok. So if they're there, that's where a lot of the content is. You know what? Are, what are you hoping that that you know in the future? Other than a voice, is there anything else uh, that, where this heads? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to use it to build a business. Um, you know, I, I've I've always historically sold uh, you know wholesalers and everything, all my crabs, and so like last year, I was like, man, you know, I really I think I have enough uh, people behind me, and you know, enough people kind of know me and whatever. Like, I think I could, you know, switch to being my own retail, you know, and selling all of my own crabs, which is really where the money is. You know, you have to cut out the middleman. You have to get direct, you know, from me, basically, you know, I have to get direct to consumer. And I, I think that's also what people want. I mean, people can, part of my thing is you can log in and you can watch me catch the crabs that you can come by later that day. Right. I mean, it's literally, it does not get any fresher in a world where people are want to know where their food comes from. I mean, you can literally watch me catch it live, you know, and I think people like that. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, one day I can have, you know, restaurants or carryouts or something, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, hell bent on trying to, you know, using this opportunity to build this into a sustainable business. You know, I want to do this for the rest of my life and it's hard on your body and everything. You know, I want to, I want to be able to kind of, you know, have a well-established retail side of this basically before I get married and have kids and whatever, you know, I don't want to have to be working all these hours and doing all this crazy stuff if I got kids at home. Um, so I'm trying to lay a lot of the foundation work now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to take it and, and and turn it into, you know, hopefully you'll see trucks with my name on it one day and eat at restaurants, you know, that I, I own. And it's just because that's, I don't know, it's part of what I've always wanted to do. You know, I want right. to, I want to catch seafood and I want to bring it, you know, I want people to be able to know where it comes from and get it, you know, direct and, and whatever else. And I think this is a great opportunity for that. So if people want to to help, uh, and so let's let's break it down. They're in Maryland listening and they want to help. It seems like the best way they can help is by buying some damn crabs. Yeah. Um, pretty much. And so if they're outside of Maryland, and so we're gonna we'll give you let you give plugs for both of those. If they're outside of Maryland, there's another way they can do it and they can buy some merch, I'm guessing. So give us the merch pitch and then tell us how they actually buy crabs if they're listening and they want to come out and do it. Yeah. So the, uh, like the merch, you know, I have sweatshirts, hats, crab mallets, stickers, uh, you know, all this different stuff. And I'm always coming up with new stuff, you know, new merch drops and everything. You can get that. Um, I run it through like a drop store. It's usually always open. You can order it and get it anywhere in the country. Um, you know, it's made to order. Uh, typically the, the link for that is like in the, you can find that kind of in the bio of all of my social media. Yeah. And we'll put the, We'll put the link in the notes for this show so they can just click on it right from the right from the show notes. Yeah, perfect. And then, um, you know, to buy crabs, I have a location. Uh, you know, I, I bought a little piece of property in Glen Burnie, Maryland on Furnace Branch Road. The address is 7333 East Furnace Branch Road in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Uh, you know, I'm there every Friday, Saturday and Sunday is, you know, as long as, you know, well supplies last. 
Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then Saturday and Sunday from uh, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, but the really kind of the best way to do it is to find the find me on Facebook. It's Bodkin Point Seafood on Facebook. You know, I keep a lot of the updates there. You can find, you know, my uh, the business number uh, or DM me. And, you know, I do day of orders. So like uh, basically you you call me Saturday morning or text me and you'd say, hey, I want uh, to pick up two dozen crabs. And I want to pick them up at one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, between my business hours. And so I'll put your crabs together and, uh, you you know, you have until one thirty to come pick them up or I kind of have the right to sell them because they're alive. And, you know, you'd be right. surprised the amount of people that call and say, oh, I, I want crabs. So I put them together and then they they don't show up. And I, obviously, I don't want to ever sell anything out from under somebody. But, uh, you know, I don't want to be turning people away for crabs that could have sold that you're not actually going to buy. So uh, that's been the best way I've found to do it. Um, but, yeah, Bakken Point Seafood on Facebook, um, you know, that's that's where I'm the best way to keep up to date with uh, availability, pricing uh, and times. But, yeah, 7333 East Furnace Branch Road in Glen Burnie, Maryland, uh, Friday through Sunday. Well, we'll have all that in there, all those details. Um People are probably curious. Do you still like to eat crabs? I do actually. I love to eat crabs, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I can't uh, I can't always afford to. To be honest, we always say can't, crabs can't afford to eat crabs. Yeah, can't be uh, getting high on your, high on your own supply. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, and before we go, we asked this of everyone. I didn't tell you this, but hopefully you've got something here. Do you have a favorite historic place in Maryland or anywhere for that matter? Ooh. Uh, and historic doesn't have to mean that it's a national park or that it's in some landmark. It can just be any old place as long as it's old. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Oh, you know where I really like is Point Lookout, you know, down okay. like Southern Maryland and everything. Because yeah. I grew up, my dad used to take me camping there when I was a little kid. So I grew up fishing and crabbing off the piers and everything down there. And, you know, they have, there's a lot of history and everything there. And, you know, he, my dad's a history buff. So, and I, I'm, you know, I also, I like history a lot of, you know, history of early Americans a lot, especially. So, uh, yeah, I always liked down there. That was always, uh, you know, there's a lot of history down there. Yeah, that's a great place. A good, good place to visit in the summer. Good place to grab some crabs in Glen Burnie and go on down to camp at, uh, at Point Lookout and, and enjoy some of Luke's crabs. So That's this right. is awesome. I really appreciate you coming on and kind of talking about this and and giving people an insight into what it keeps, what it requires to keep um, a history and a heritage and something so important as crabbing alive. Um, and we'll look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you can see literally the whole story, everything like, you know, on TikTok, it's pretty well documented and it's, you know, it's real life. This is what it takes to to bring crabs to your table. And I, you know, I don't just show my harrowing moments. It's, you know, I, I, I'm, I always say I'm, I'm great at marketing failure, you know, like I, you know, fail, failure is how you learn. That's how I learn at least. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's, uh, you can see me bomb and you can see me triumph. You know what I mean? It's all real <laughs> life. It's, you know, well-documented on the internet. <laughs> all right. Thanks Luke. All right. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.